as we continue in worship this morning, and as we continue just to explore this Christmas season, Advent, let me just say that the outcome of Advent and the season of Advent to some extent should be and is hard work. I was reminded this week that, you know, uh, focusing on hope and, and the candle of hope from last week, that hope is hard. It is easy to be hopeless because you have an answer for every question. There is no hope. Oh well. But having hope is hard. The, the answer to, uh, you know, uh, the conflict that is all around us is there is no peace. And that's the answer. You always have an answer. And so it's easy work. Just ask anybody who is trying to work on uh, peace, whether that would be peace in Gaza and Israel, peace in uh, Ukraine and Russia, peace in their own family, then you will know that is hard work. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. For they will be called children of God. The problem with peacemaking missions and peacekeeping missions is you will probably get hit by everybody and anybody on both sides. You end in the middle. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. But that is hard work. You know, it's not natural work. The state of our world is one where conflict reigns supreme. In fact, the nature of our world is if I can tell you how not peaceful you are, you may look to me for your solutions and your answer. For I will tell you, what does peace look like? And we're getting into a cycle where we're going to have people try to tell us what peace will look like in our world and in our nation. They will, they will try to answer that question for us. But in so doing, they will also divide us. Because then we look to them for hope, <clears throat> for hope, for peace, for love, as we will uh, light on Christmas Eve morning, for joy, as we will light next week. And yet, Christmas shows us a better way. The Christmas story, the Advent story, as hard as it is, shows us a better way of being, a better way of answering the question, what does peace look like? And I know I've said this before, and it may come as a surprise to some of you who are new to the faith and new to the church, but Christmas is one of the hardest times for pastors to preach. Because the story, you can't take a different slant on the story. 
And most of you who are, are who have been around for a while, you know, I think of Joyce back there. Joyce knows the Christmas story. She could tune me out even better than normal at Christmas time. I'm not saying she does, but she could because we already sit there and go, I know the story. Jesus, Emmanuel, born in a manger to Mary and Joseph. Angels sing. Actually, they don't sing. Never in scripture that they sing. They state, they proclaim. Right, so I know, I don't know if it was, yeah. We said this morning, Hark the Arrow, angels sing. But they don't. You know. That's okay. We also sometimes sing three wise men. I, I hate to bust your bubble. We don't know that there were three. There's three gifts. But, you know, sometimes multitudes may happen. You know? But that's the point. We think we know the story. So we halfway tune out. We come to church and we want everything to be familiar. We want everything to be the way it has been. And there's beauty in that. But then our brains and our more, more worrisome to me, our hearts check out. Because we already know it's and there's nothing I'm going to tell you today that if you've been around the church of Christmas for a while that you have not heard. But my prayer is this, that Lord, that, that the Spirit would speak. And that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. And so we come to Luke chapter 1. It has depicted on the screen for you and those of you online on the lower, I believe, left of, of your screen. You know, uh, a symbolization of the proclamation that happens in Luke chapter 1 where Gabriel, the chief messenger of God, comes down to earth for a second time. He had just been on a mission. He had visited Elizabeth, happens to be Mary's cousin. About six months earlier, not actually Elizabeth, but to uh, Zechariah. Zechariah is in Jerusalem in the temple. I mean, that's the place you would expect God to speak, right? I mean, I hope you came here to church because you expect to hear something halfway decent. You know? It may not be great, uh, but it'd be halfway decent, you know? So, Sterling, you're hearing me maybe fully for the first time. I apologize in advance. You know, I said that to Pastor Paul last week. But he came back, so it would have been terrible because he came back. The rest of the I, I don't know if you're here or not, but it's all right. You know, but he comes back again. But if you would, if you were a Jew at the time, you expect God to show up and show off where? The temple. And God has already done that in a way that really no one gets to hear why the Zechariah is speechless now. Because of the interaction of Luke chapter 1, he is left speechless. And now, Gabriel is on a second mission. I sometimes wonder in, in my imagination what that would have been like for Gabriel. We don't know. We know as an angel, he, he loves to do his work in the bidding of God the Father. We know they take joy out of that. Can you imagine? And being sent again. And, and he comes into, and he comes to this out of the road town and says, Gabriel, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. 
Now, we all know Nazareth, right? We, though, at least if you've been around the church, you know Nazareth. That is no big deal. But see, Luke, who is detail-oriented, says not just in Nazareth, let me help the rest of you out in Galilee. Why? Because have you ever told somebody where you live and you say St. Paris, Ohio, and they go, where? Where's that? You know? And then you may say Champaign County. Well, let's be honest. Most of us don't know what county any uh, town and, and thing is in. So we say things like, we say, I'm just north of Springfield. Oh, I got that. Or I'm right in the middle of Pickwood or Urbana. They're like, oh, it gives them a sense of where we are. And that is what Luke is doing here in our text. He is saying, Nazareth, the region of Galilee. So that everyone is here and goes, wait, that town? I wouldn't have picked that town. And here he proclaims, he goes, to a woman, a virgin Mary, who was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. Now Mary may be as young as 12 years old. How old is Hannah? 11. All right, we'll just pick Hannah. She's tall for her age. She's big for her age. All right? We're talking someone as young as him. Maybe as old as 18, probably not behind. That culture, they would uh, have marriages where the young ones, they would pledge, they would be engaged, as we may call it. It was a two-step process, typically a year apart. Mary is already engaged. She will be married, but the official ceremony has not happened Yes. 12, 13, 15, maybe 17, 18. And as Gabriel has announced this, can you imagine his shock, maybe? I mean, I know angels don't have much of a choice by nature, okay? But going, wait, well, a, a woman? I get Zechariah, he's a priest. I get him. This one? What is she? What is she? And, and just reports the words of God. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary pondered his words and what kind of greeting this may be. She's not questioning necessarily what is being said, but she's going, whoa, let me, let me think. Let me contemplate this over and over. In fact, in the Christmas story, that is one of the most beautiful things, in my opinion, of Mary. She ponders things over and over and over. The shepherds come, and we read that Mary ponders. The wise men come in Matthew, and we read that Mary treasures them in her heart. It's not going to be on the screen, but I wonder what we need to gain peace and ingredients of peace is that we will stop and contemplate and ponder the dreams that come our way. She pondered those things, and the angel 
said to you, don't be afraid, don't be anxious, Mary. You have found favor with God. God's grace is upon you. And maybe a better way of saying it. And, and, and he goes on to say, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and ever. His kingdom will never end. Gabriel announces very neatly, nicely, in our translations, what Mary heard. You are going to give birth. And his father is going to be God himself. And in the announcement of John the Baptist's birth and just a few verses earlier, if we read them all together, we would read things like John was going to be, you know, great among people, the angel said. He would be uh, great upon them. But it says of Jesus that he is great. There's already a distinction going on. This baby is going to be great just because of who he is. He is the son of the most high. And then Mary asked a question that all of us would ask. How can this happen? This isn't a question of doubt. I mean, we, we sometimes think we have progressed so much in our world that we look back at first century, uh, you know, worlds and we go, well, they wouldn't have known anything about a virgin birth. They knew enough about how babies are born to know Mary ain't supposed to be able to do this. You know, this wasn't, I don't believe, a made-up story later on by the church. I believe Mary herself probably is telling the story to others, not to lift herself up, but they're going, how the heck? And an angel came and said, I was going to give birth, and I have, okay? I know how babies are born. My mama taught me something. All right? My mama taught me how babies are born. And it takes two. She's like, and I know there have been two. So how can this be? Gabriel answers. The Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of God most high himself will overshadow you. So that the one to be born will be called the Son of God. There wasn't going to be doubt who this baby was. And unlike others, unlike the words of Isaiah, Mary doesn't ask for anything special or anything else, but Gabriel goes on to say, and to just remind you of how the power of the Lord Most High works, your cousin Elizabeth, who's old, she too is going to have a baby, because nothing is impossible with God. Or as I like the NIV translation, for no word from God will ever fail. When God says it, it's done. It's a matter of when and how. God showed up and showed off in a way that doesn't make sense to the world around him or even to us, maybe, today. 
And so what are the ingredients of peace, the second Sunday of peace, that you might need? I'm assuming to some extent that you're, like a lot of us, you're torn. There is division within you, maybe, where you're trying to figure things out. Maybe this year has not been good, and you're just waiting for 2024. You know, can we just turn the corner? Some of you, this year has been great. You've checked some things off your list. But maybe you're realizing that's not giving you what you thought it would. What our hearts long for is peace. And so I want to just give us some ingredients that may, you may want to keep in mind. They're not the only ingredients of peace, but I think they come straight from our story, our verses this morning. Peace comes from experiencing and knowing God's grace. Mary had an experience of the grace of God. She wasn't special. She didn't deserve it. That's the whole point of grace, is you and I don't deserve it. You cannot have a lasting peace apart from the grace of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Have you experienced that? Do you know that? She had enough knowledge. She had the word spoken to her from Gabriel, the word of God, to go, okay, I don't know how this is going to happen, but the messenger of God said it's going to happen. No wonder she can say at the end, may your word be fulfilled. May all that you've said take place. Have you put yourself in a place to experience grace? See, the thing with grace is you have to realize you don't deserve something. The thing with grace is you've got to realize there is a need. Do we, even as God's people, think we need grace? See, that's hard. Because our world will tell us, our own nature will tell us, no, 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 you can do this yourself. Just pick yourself up by the bootstraps, we might say. And God says, no, 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 you need my grace is what you need. Get yourself out of the way. We talked about this last week. He, Christ, must increase. We must decrease. And when we decrease, we become willing to see and experience and know the grace. Put yourself in a place to experience grace. Allow yourself to need something. Mary may not have known it, but she had an experience with it. Maybe you need to realize that grace doesn't always come packaged the way you think it is. Do I think Mary had an idea that an angel was going to come and visit her? Not specifically, but she was open as that culture was to God breaking through in dreams and messengers and pronouncements. Do we think God can show up and show off? Or do we think he has to happen on a certain time between 10 and 11, 15 on a Sunday morning? Peace comes from the power of of the Holy Spirit. She had peace knowing it wasn't, she wasn't going to have to try to make this baby happen. 
Could you imagine if that would have been the way God designed this? In Mary. I just want to let you know, you and Joseph, you need to go ahead and hurry up and get married because you need to have a baby real soon. Okay? And when you have this baby, you're going to name him Jesus. I, I can tell you this much. There is a tremendous amount of pressure on couples when they have to have a baby. And some know this. That pressure. See, the power of the Holy Spirit says you, you can't work this on your own. You need me. Sometimes we just need to relax. And let the Spirit do what the Spirit can do. We need to realize that when God commands us to do something, when God pronounces a calling upon our life, He equips us to do that calling. He didn't just say, Mary, this is what's going to happen, now go figure it out. He says the power of the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God that typically is reserved for where your cousins live in Jerusalem and at the temple. No, no, the Spirit is breaking out anew. And you are going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do this work. When, the, when Scripture says that we are to do something, if we will allow the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, which is the gift, the grace of God to us as believers, we can do it. You don't have to ask, am I able? Her question wasn't, isn't, am I able to do it? Her question was, how am I going to do this? Not if I can do this. We need more and more people in church to go, how are we going to do this? Not if we're going to do this. Thirdly, peace comes from humbly submitting. Mary says, make it happen, as you said. Does that mean her next nine months were easy? It does. Does that mean her next nine months were going to be always nice, clean, without any issues? I mean, I was present for my three. There ain't nothing about labor that's nice. Easy, clean, as any of you have been in that room at all. It's not fair. Can you imagine the words that would be said? We know words were said. You say, well, how so, Pastor? I mean, it doesn't ever say. And, yeah, see? Right there. Uh-huh. Yeah, some of you. You guys, you guys know. Sleep? What's that? You know, and some of us that have older kids go, sleep, what's that? You know, we know words were said. You say, how so? It, Matthew talks about Joseph is trying to quietly divorce, get rid of this legal agreement with Mary because she is pregnant, and they know this doesn't, this, you know, there's more than one that has to be involved. So this ain't it. Nazareth may have been small, but come on, do you think people in St. Paris don't talk? Shannon almost choked on her water. It almost came at me. People talk. I mean, I know things 
about some of y'all, you don't want them to know. Because people talk. People talk. That, that's a good reminder that you better watch out when you're living with yourself. People talk. And sometimes we cover our own issues. I'm not going to go there because that's a change. Not for today. It wasn't going to be easy, but she submits to the Lord and says, May everything you say take place. A peace comes when we can willingly submit. When we willingly say, May your word be fulfilled in my life. Peace, as I wrap up, is the presence of God. The presence of Christ. Every time that baby kicked, it was a reminder for Mary that the presence of God is here. The presence of God is in my midst. No longer, and, and, and yeah, we can talk about no longer when Jesus is born, but for the nine months prior, the 40 weeks prior, the presence of God was not relegated to a temple, but was coming in human form and rested upon a lowly, normal girl. Whether we want to admit it or not, it was a prophecy of things to come where the presence of God would rest upon normal, everyday, ordinary people through the power of the Holy Spirit that happens in Acts chapter 2. And here is a thought I literally just had, which is scary. Luke, who wrote the, God, the Gospel of Luke and wrote Acts, starts both of the stories out with a reminder that the presence of God falls upon and is in human beings like you and I. No wonder everything else is possible. No wonder the book of Acts can take place. No wonder the gospel of Luke takes place because the presence of God in people's lives. How does it all start? We place the grace, Mary. You are highly favored. You have received grace, for the Lord is with you. God's grace is upon you, and with God's grace comes power. And you submit to that power. Of Christ. Will, will you submit to the power of grace? Will you respond to grace? And not just, some of you, it's the grace to be saved. But some of you, you are being called by our Lord Jesus Christ Himself, and, and to, where He is pouring out His grace upon you for a work. Submit. And there you will find peace. There, you will find hope. And there, you will find our Lord.
says, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those whom God's grace falls upon. Lord, we need your peace. That is a gift. It is a gift that is straight from you. For you came to be our peace, to make peace between you and us. Because we can't do it on our own. And so Lord, I ask that you would help us to submit to your peace. That we would submit to who you are. We would respond to your grace. We would experience it. We would grow in it. We would gain knowledge of it. And then we would respond to it. And so, Lord, I ask that you give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to your people. I ask that you give us peace. The peace that will guard our hearts and mind in you. Lord, I thank you for this time. Be with us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.